The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Whittingham. Now that you found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app of choice, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, any of the other places that you find us. You'll make sure to get all of the old episodes as well as every new episode as soon as it posts. Also, check out all of the other podcasts in our network. We now have 13, including our newest one, Swings and Mishes. Craig Mish had Michael Hill, the president of the Marlins, on last week. And that's Michael Hill, as you've never heard him, much more candid, as people tend to be on our network. And actually, that leads to our guest tonight, because Josh Darrow is the host of Five Rings Canes. You're probably familiar with Josh from his sideline work with UM for several years on WQAM. He'll be doing that again this year, WQAM 560. And the strength of his pod is also that guys tend to be a lot more candid when they're with him than you hear them in other formats. Just did a two-part episode with Manny Diaz that you should definitely check out. And Josh, what I want to do with you today, though, is rather than the storytelling, I know you've done a lot of that on the pod. I know that's what you want to do with the pod. You want to kind of bring out people's personalities, former players, current players, coaches, etc. But we want to analyze the team a little bit with you here. And you have had an opportunity to get out to practice. And as Chris and I have talked about on this pod, the Canes are really the hope of South Florida right now. Um, the heater, kind of, <laughs> I mean, the heater kind of no pressure, no pressure. Uh, but that's that's why we brought you in. That's why we felt we needed a Canes pod. And look, the heater in a mediocre stretch right now. It's very unlike the heat to be in the middle, but that's where they are. The Dolphins, the expectations are relatively low this season. The Panthers may be good, but I don't know if that's going to translate to sort of big numbers here. And we'll see. We've got the Goldie on Ice pod. Steve Goldstein's hosting that one in case they do. And then the Marlins, as Craig's talked about honestly on his pod, are in a big-time rebuilding project that's going to take probably three or four years to really pay dividends. So the team that's best poised to do something significant right now is the Canes. And before we get into our topic with you here, which is five guys that you think are keys to this season and then five freshmen who may be keys in the future, what's your overall expectation for this team this season? I think Miami, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me. It's fun to be on here and it's fun to be a part of this whole network. It's been a great journey, even in a short period of time for me. Uh, and by the way, if you're going to rate and subscribe uh, your podcast, please rate and subscribe to Five Rings Podcast too, because I'm proud of what we've done there in a short period of time. But um, I think, you know, I think you know, as I look back on, on my time around the program, um, it's been 20 years in a variety of broadcast roles. I mean, I get why, you know, from the end of the Coker regime through Randy and, and through, through Coach Golden, um, you know, I get the frustration because when you really do peel back and look at the ACC, there's no reason why Miami shouldn't be positioned at the top. And that was starting to become a major concern. Like, I, I think that if Mark Rick wasn't the guy that was hired, I, I think some of I think this program was in a very unique position in a, in, a, in a concerning way. But that being said, you pluck a coach like Mark Rick out of the sky, Georgia decides to part ways, he lands on your doorstep. To me, he's the, he was the perfect choice for a variety of reasons. And in year two, 
they win the Coastal, they get to the championship game. And when you look at, like, if you just look at their schedule this year with the talent they have coming back and what they accomplished a year ago, they really, there's no reason why that shouldn't happen three out of four years. If not four out of four years, they should be there. And then, you know, I'm not sure they're ready to take down Clemson just yet, but, you know, at some point as they further recruit and bolster the roster and look, Clemson's playing at a, you know elite level the last few years. And, and again, uh, certainly on that defensive line, they're going to be there again, that they should, you know, be then considered in, in a, in the playoff format. And for all I know, that might happen this year. I'm not really one to get into predictive stuff because seasons are, are even in a football season, there there's too many things that, that can happen. But I think fans should confidently be able to go into a season and know that Miami should be a nine to 10 win team uh, unless something funky happens. They should have ridiculously good chances of always being in Charlotte. And then after that, anything's possible. And I'm usually not one to talk that way. I'm usually more protective and conservative, but I think fans should be excited. And to me, um, if you're buying stock, and this stock, certainly the stock price has gone up after last year, I still think there's some value there, and I would still be investing in the Hurricane. And I'm totally with you, Josh. To to me, what happened last season, I think is indicative of an overall culture shift within the program. I think this is a program that for a long time thought that it can survive on the talent that is in South Florida and that it didn't need to do much else. And it is kind of crazy how much that has changed in the space of really two plus years since Mark Rick was hired because it was really the first time that the University of Miami invested in coaching, invested in assist, in assistant coaching. They have, by luck of you know being a tenant at, at an incredible stadium, a brand new stadium for me. I, I don't think that when you walk in Hard Rock Stadium, you can say it's anything other than a brand new venue that last year generated real and legitimate atmosphere that harkened back to the Orange Bowl days. They build a new facility. They're investing in their program, building a new athletic center in a way that just didn't exist under previous regimes and whether it's because those coaches didn't have the clout or the or the program and the university wasn't ready to invest at that level they are now and I think you're going to start to see them catch up very quickly to the major college football programs because they always are going to have an advantage on talent based strictly off where they're located it's about that other stuff they fell way behind and now they're catching up at rapid speed and I'm really excited to see where this ends up going the next few years we're going to talk about a lot of players tonight that are are going to be taking on roles that are bigger than what was anticipated for them last year. And for me, the biggest mark of a great college football program is when big contributors leave, go to the NFL, or you know, don't end up playing professionally and just go on with their lives, and you have a ready-made replacement that you didn't see coming or you haven't seen much over the course of the previous years before they get that job. So I'm really excited to see what that ends up looking like this season. All right, well, let's get to the players here because ultimately that's what this is about with Rick. It's the players that he can bring in or the players that he inherited that they've been able to develop. So we're going to divide this into two different parts with you here tonight, uh, Josh, and and that's the guys who are keys to this season and then the freshmen that we're going to see this year that are going to be keys to the future. So we're going to get your whole list of five here in a second for each, but I want to start with the number one guy that you sent us because when I put this on five reasons sports today, it was almost unanimous that the key guy this season is Malik Rozier. And I'm not sure when last season ended, particularly the way that it ended for Malik with those last three games that we we were going to be talking about it like that, because I thought that maybe we'd come out of this off season and Malik might not be the starter at the beginning of the year. And now it appears that that is indeed going to be the case. So what does Malik Rozier, in your opinion, 
need to do since you put him at the top of the list to drive this program forward and to be a guy who is not someone who's sort of along for the ride, which is what I think a lot of Canes fans viewed it as last year, but someone who is instrumental in them taking that next step? I think two things. One, he needs to act like a fifth-year senior, right? There are very few successful teams that are not driven by some form of leadership and experience. So a fifth-year senior at that position has to demonstrate that. That's number one. And that's both sort of on the field, in the locker room, but within his own preparation, you know, in terms of getting ready for games and just making sure that he is dialed in. But I, I look at once that once that jumps off the page with me when it comes to that position and his play. Last year, Miami completed 53% of their passes. That was 116th in college football, and that's not going to cut it, especially in college football. Because in college football, the Heisman Trophy winner a year ago, who was also the number one pick in the draft, and I'm pretty sure I have this right, and I'm not far off if I'm wrong, completed 71% of his passes. And a lot of elite-level college quarterbacks are in the 60s, mid to high 60s. Now, I'm not saying Malik has to be elite, but it's got to be better than 53%. It cannot be one out of every two passes in modern-day college football. He has got enough playmakers around him. There is a lot of skill and talent for him to get the ball to. So literally, he just has to be more consistent. He has to be efficient. And I don't think that's even asking a lot of him, Um, So, or even a lot of that position. So to me, if I'm going to narrow it down to one thing, that percentage better be close to 60%. And I think if it is, Miami's got a great chance. It cannot sit at 53%. And also, the interceptions have to come down. 14 is too many. Because too many sort of missed opportunities to stay on the field with a lower completion percentage, and then uh, 14 turnovers means you're giving the ball away. And so you're just losing opportunities to score and, and you're, you're hurting yourself by not executing well. So to me, that, that's it in a nutshell with him, man. You got to complete more passes. It's very simple. Yeah. And for me, it's not just that. And, and by the way, you had uh, Bill Connolly on your podcast, which was a terrific episode. If you want to kind of dig into the analytics and the way that it sort of uh, reads into Miami last season. But one of the things that was in his preview that was really worth noting for me was the way that across the season, that completion percentage number went down. So over the first three games, which were against Bethune, Cookman, Toledo, and Duke, that number was at 66%, 14 yards per completion, interception rate was way down, but that's against weaker opposition. As the schedule got tougher during you know the latter you know half and, and some of the of the 10 game win streak 53% uh starting first with that game at Florida State which you know we remember being a fairly uh, substantive offensive calamity particularly in terms of completion percentage and in that first half and then the next 7 games it was seven victories but 53% that interception rate climbs and then over the three losses Rozier completes 45% of his passes so when the season went poorly it was on his shoulders literally and it's not just about completion percentage going up it's about accuracy and it's not and even if you complete passes they're not necessarily accurate we saw a number of times where receiver screens were thrown at the feet of receivers and that slows down yards after catch there are areas where I think the University of Miami their biggest problem last year on offense was the inability to engineer drives that didn't involve big plays and as we carry on in this podcast talking about receivers talking about tight ends that's going to be a theme because I don't think that Malik Rozier did enough to engineer drives with his accuracy and a combination of the running game setting things up, targets needing to improve, and Rozier needing to improve are going to go a long way in determining whether or not Miami can get better in that area. Yeah, I would agree with just about everything you said, but I, the one 
small sort of pass, for lack of a better word, I'll give him is those last three games, no Mark Walton, no Amon Richards, no Chris Herndon. So that's really, you know, you're taking three of his best offensive weapons off his team, um, which doesn't excuse accuracy, but I think performance would suffer somewhat from an overall offensive standpoint without those three guys, and it showed. That being said, I talked to, to Coach John Rick, the quarterback coach. Uh, they had like a media day, and it, it, he said exactly what you observed, which is, and I think there are some of the finer elements of analyzing football, is forget completion percentage. They judge accuracy, right? Even if a receiver drops the ball, if Malik throws an accurate pass, that's a plus for him and negative for the receiver, but his accuracy has to improve. And the one thing that Bill Connolly talked about, see, I've always been a big play guy. I've always been a how do you make the game easier kind of guy. So to me, big plays make the game easier because it negates having the engineered drives. Turnovers make the game easier. You possess the ball more. Big, big plays on special teams make the game easier you know, because generally if you have a block, a kick, or a return or something like that, your, your percentages go up. But the number one stat that Bill Connolly has devised over 10 years or so of doing the analytics is success rate or efficiency, which means methodically always moving the ball for positive chunks of yards. And Miami statistically was not good there. Chris, you, you mentioned that already with, his, with the inability of Miami at times to, to engineer drives. But I do think now they've got better weapons on this team. They are completely deeper at two of the three positions, if not all three of your, your skill positions, tight end receiver and the running back room is completely different than a year ago. So yes, if Malik is just more accurate, this offense should perform better, which it didn't even perform badly in the overall, but certainly, as you said, it was trending at the end of the season in the wrong direction for, I think a number of reasons, some, which I think we can accurately maybe lay feet of Malik. And I think some things like, you know, look at the team you guys talk about the most, the heat take off their three biggest offensive weapons. It's not going to perform to the same level as, as when those guys are on the field. It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. I don't even know who their three biggest offensive weapons are at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, part of, that's part of the problem. We'll be back with Josh Darrow here in a second, but I want to tell you about our second ever five reason sports watch party. This time it's not a preseason game. It's a big game. We're going to be all at Uncle Al's Sports Cafe. Now, this is a location in Sunrise. This is a new location. They've had a location in Weston for quite a long time. We'll be posting details, the address, all that good stuff at Five Reasons Sports on Twitter, also on Facebook, Five Reasons Sports Network. We're going to be there around 645 on September 2nd for the LSU-Miami game. This is free. We've got a ton of TVs there. Uh, we're going to have some food specials. We're going to have some drink specials like we had over at Texas Roadhouse. Now, that watch party, we filled up the entire outside bar the entire night. This time, we're going to fill up the entire restaurant. We're planning on getting a ton of people out there, and it's going to be a great time. You meet a lot of our hosts will be there. Also, some of our sponsors, our listeners, uh, will be having giveaways, looking into gaming, getting some tickets possibly to give away there. Actually, I, I, I can confirm, Ethan, I will have two tickets to give away for the next UM game, which will be against Savannah State. So, well, well, there you well, go. Well, We've got two tickets to give away for UM Savannah State. So make sure that you make it out there. Uncle Al's Sports Cafe, September 2nd, LSU, Miami. Get there anytime after about 645. We will be there all night. And now back to the episode. All right, let's get to some other guys, too. I, the one point that you did make about Malik, though, is I, I do think that some of the accuracy problems later in the year did have to do with the absences because I. I do think quarterbacks, when they're not as comfortable, are less accurate. And if you're not playing with guys that are as explosive, that can make something out of nothing, then it is going to affect your accuracy. It affects a little bit of everything. So like you said, it's not a total excuse, 
there. Um, but uh, clearly, it played into what happened. I mean, you the- covered you covered the Dolphins. You covered the Dolphins, Ethan. I mean, if you take, I mean, they took their best running back, their best mm-hmm. tight end, and probably their best offense. I mean, Amon Richards is probably their best offensive football player. He is an elite level wide receiver. They were all missing at the end of the year. So look, I think we all have to be fair here in judging it both ways. I think there is valid criticism to lay at Malik Rozier's body of work. And and I think if you talk to anyone around the program, they think they'd be pretty honest about that. But I think we also can't just sit and judge it in a vacuum. We'll be back with Josh here in a second. I want to tell you about something else that we're doing on the Five Reasons Sports Network. If you've been following us, you know that we now have 13 podcasts in the network. Just added Swings and Mishes. That's our baseball podcast with Craig Mish. Those are all full free podcasts. They all have their separate feeds. If you type in Five Reasons into your podcast provider, you will find all of our podcasts. But we want to give you a little bit more. We want to do this for really our special, special listeners who are into everything that we do. And it's our patron feed. You got to check it out. Basically, I tweet this out from at Five Reasons Sports. It's on Podbean. It's on our feed on Podbean. Basically, for $5 a month, you get access to a ton of extra content. Now, that's extra content from the 13 podcasts on our network, but it's also developing concepts, things that we want to build out so that we can give you even more. So we've got a boxing concept on there. We've got a bunch of commentaries, and we're going to be offering school-specific podcasts for college football. Coming up this week, we're going to have the War on I-4 podcast for anybody who's a fan of UCF or USF. We've got a bunch of guys in our network who went to those schools and they're going to be battling it out. We're also looking at some of the other local schools. We've got a concept on there called Chick Chat. For you women out there, you want a little bit more of a female perspective than we provide on some of our other podcasts, you can find it there. So check it out. It's on Podbean. It's our patron feed. Get any questions about it, be sure to DM us at 5 Reason Sports. And now, back to our episode. All right, so let's look at four other guys. We're going to do these a little bit quicker here, but other guys that you think are no key guys for this season. And we're going to start with Gerald Willis, uh, defensive tackle, clearly a position that in the past for UM, uh, they produced a ton of guys who went to the pros, were elite guys, uh, and even in some cases, Hall of Famers. We have not seen that as much in recent years. What does Gerald Willis need to do to take the next step? Well, the fact that he gets to play is is one thing. The fact that he's just going to be on the field because uh, for two of the last three years, he was either sitting out as a transfer or he was out last year taking care of some personal business. But the year I was at Miami, 2015, was the year he transferred in from Florida. And so the, the book on him then was elite level talent. His head was was not right. And, um, and I think he was, he was an Army All-American. He came out of New Orleans. I mean, the talent has never been in question. It's just kind of figuring out, it's kind of figuring himself out, you know, maturing, trying to get out of his own way. But you talk to the coaches down there. I mean, the guy's a freak. I mean, he destroyed everyone on scout team the two years he was on it. Um, so far in, in fall practice, all the, all the returns have been good. And quite honestly, the reason why I put him on this list is, and I don't know if people don't talk about it because they just want to bury it or not, but like those two guys leaving last year, McIntosh and Norton, that, that's, I don't even have the words for it. Like it, 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 it if those guys are in the defensive rotation this year with Gerald Willis and John Ford and Pat Bethel, Miami has a champion, like an elite level championship defense. And that is the reason why I put Gerald Willis on this list is because those two guys aren't here. Gerald Willis has those uh, playmaking capabilities and Miami's going to need it because uh, I'm not sure that Pat Bethel is, is a good player. Um, 
you know, Nesta Silvera is a freshman from American Heritage. It's hard to count on those guys for that. John Ford is in year two, and they're also counting on a transfer from Illinois, who so far the word's been pretty good on him. But if the guy who has the most talent, who can be the most disruptive, and by the way, Manny Diaz's defense is premised on being disruptive, on playing behind the line of scrimmage, uh, of putting the opposing offense in bad position, that guy is Gerald Willis. And based on what McIntosh and Norton did last year, Gerald Willis has to be uh, a very high-level player for this defense to operate at the level that Manny Diaz wants it to. And you're absolutely right, Josh. I, for me, the losses on the defensive line, th- there, there are some positions of worry for me, but I think UM has some talent, particularly like, you know, receiver is an area of worry, but they've brought in so many players that you'd have to figure they're going to be good enough players that can do that job. But defensive line is one of those where they, it's just strictly off volume. You lose Chad Thomas, Trent Harris, R.J. McIntosh, Kendrick Norton, Anthony Moten. That's five rotation defensive linemen to lose in one offseason. And particularly in an area that, obviously, size, physicality, and growth, you want to have juniors and seniors in those positions. And so you're going to be playing some younger players or some players that haven't gotten a ton of run in previous years. And for me, it was the strength of the UM defense. Obviously, linebacker is a big position, but in an era of college football where you're very rarely in base defense, Obviously, having you know Pinkney and Quarterman and kind of anchoring that group is big, but it's really about can you get pressure and can you cover in the secondary? And those are the two areas for me where I'm concerned right now about the University of Miami. I think they'll always have edge rushers, and the and the edge rushing will be quality for me even this year, but it's up the middle. They stopped the run at big times last year. You, you can look no further than when they slaughtered Notre Dame and, and shut down one of the best running backs in the country and Josh Adams, who's a terrific player. And I was really scared of going into the game, and I thought UM wouldn't be able to cope with him, and they did, and they totally shut him down and I don't know if they have the personnel to go again in that area all right I want to touch on a couple of offensive players that you have on the list here and I was kind of surprised by an offensive player that was not on the list actually Josh um you don't have Who's Richards that? you don't have Richards and, and you don't have Travis Homer here on the list now we've talked a little bit about Richards before but the running back that you put on the list and I know he's more of an athlete than just a running back uh, was was DJ Dallas, and I'm just curious why you go there instead of going to Homer and seeing if he can repeat what he did last season. From what I've seen, I I I'm pretty confident we're going to see a Travis Homer that's going to take another step forward. And so the reason, and so I feel pretty good about that. The reason why I put DJ Dallas on the list from a guys who are sort of key to the outcome of the season is because Ethan, you said it, he's an athlete. The, the kind of versatility that he can bring to this UM offense to me has me so curious for how he gets used and the impact he can make on this team and this offense this season. See, last year as a freshman, he starts off as a receiver. Then he has to play running back because Walton gets injured and there's no one else in the running back room that can do it. And now he's had, you know, the better part, you know, three quarters of last year, the entire offseason and all of this camp to become a guy who could be an impact as a running back. But now you add the experience he had as a receiver. What kind of weapons do you have that you can use in the run game? What kind of weapons do you have in the pass game? And we saw him last year being used in the Wildcat. So to me, the reason why I put him on the list is that absolute versatility of an athlete who is now a legitimate running back brings the other attributes with him from his previous you know status on the team as a receiver and how he got used in the wildcat and to me the opportunities are endless and so I am fascinated by what I think 
he can bring to this team and the ways he can be used. And if he gets used in those ways and it works out, to me, that's why I'm intrigued. And that's why I put him on the list as a sort of key, because I think he can have that kind of impact on this offense and on this team. And that's why he's on there for me. In the backfield, the thing that's really fascinating to me is how the University of Miami went out and added a fullback in Realist George and how I think that could end up changing the entire look of the Miami Hurricanes offense because they're a team, in my opinion, that totally changed what I think a lot of people thought Mark Richt was as a coach. When he was at Georgia, it was high formation, big fullback behind big offensive line with amazing running backs and used the power running game to go and win. Uh, Bill Connolly was talking on your podcast, Josh, about how his offenses at Georgia were actually really good. They just played really slow, so no one really knew it. But on on an efficiency, on a points-per-drive basis, they were really good. But last year it was shotgun, RPO, and it seemed like Mark Rick was, you know, is the rare coach who, you know, after coaching one way for 15 years, was going to look to to sort of change the way that he approached offense. Now, I kind of wonder if, depending on the offensive line, they move a guard to tackle, so maybe a power running game might benefit them. If they end up changing the entire look of the offense, if it's not – RPO, if it's not tempo, if it's more what we've seen from Mark Richt in the past. So can a fullback change the way that this entire Miami team operates? Because I don't know if that's Mark Rick's new philosophy. Obviously, he's want to bring in running quarterbacks, so there is something to it. But I wonder if we see more of Mark Rick's old philosophy this year with the addition of a fullback. My guess, Chris, is that you're going to see just about everything you saw last year. But the fact that they have a fullback on the team, and I'll make another name that's popped up this year, in this camp, surprisingly a little bit, but he, but he fits the mode of what was missing along with Realist George is Trayon Gray, who's another fifth-year senior who's like a 6'2", six, six 235, 240 pounds, sort of now hybrid tailback fullback. Is. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What I think you're going to see, Chris, is you're going to see everything you saw a year ago, but now when they need to be the things that Mark Rick had at Georgia, they can do it. 
and they can do it with Realist George as a fullback. Because if you go back to Bill Connolly, and this was something I would look at last year, he's got, you know, I think the stat is like power stuff rate or stuff rate, which essentially is, you know, um, it's like third and fourth downs, essentially, you know, two yards or less, something like that, basically. Or uh, runs where, you know, you're no gain or behind the line of scrimmage. And Miami did not rank very well in those categories. And in the red zone or in short yardage, it's hard when you're running out of the formations that you described. So now I think you have flex again, just like DJ Dallas, you have flexibility in the, in your call sheet, you have flexibility in your personnel. And I think that's why he was added. And I think that's why the coaches have talked about Trey on gray, because I think that there's an element of physicality that has been added to this offense. So I'm not sure you're going to see a shift. I think you're just going to see the ability to expand and have the ability to go to what a jumbo you know lineup or have more force in your backfield, which whatever way he decides to go or do, he now has those options, and I think that should benefit them. Obviously, if they can execute. Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings podcast, where it's always a Canes thing on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories, and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present, affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams. You know, that that's where it all started for me. And just, just the style of play, and and really, it was, it really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here. And you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in '86 when we were whipping Oklahoma, and just, you know, what I mean, just, just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, we're not only, you know, you know, Nebraska was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a cane sting, and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right. Now, other offensive guys that you named here, and you cheated a little bit because I asked you for five. Um, you actually gave me six because you got two at the same position. Well, I, 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 there's a positional. It's a positional. Uh, ah, it's a, I see. It's, it's one. It's one. It's one. It's one A, one B. It's it's one group. All right. So let's guys. so so let's get to that group because as we've seen, the tight end position, unlike the defensive tackle position, the Canes have continued to produce guys over recent years, and now they've got two elite prospect types at the tight end spot. So which of those two guys, both of which you named here on the list, do you think emerges as the top guy this season? I mean, I don't know which one is the top guy because they both, they both, um, they both done pretty well. Uh, and even going back to the spring, uh, there was, there was, there was a, a definite vibe and a murmur about these two guys. Like these guys, these are two guys that have came in with legit billing, uh, legit hype, uh, they are talented, and I think they're both going to play. So I don't know if it's going to be one or the other. Uh, they're going to be used in different ways. But even going back to the spring, you know, people are talking about them, and in, and in the fall, people have continued to talk about them. And the other, and the reason why they're on the list, uh, they might have been on the list anyways. But the thing that probably most propelled them onto the list is when Michael Irvin Jr. and Michael Irvin the second got hurt. Which he, these guys might have. Now he was apparently having a good camp. Uh, according to the you know the staff, but these guys might have emerged regardless, uh, but now they have to because there's no one else, and now it's just a matter of um, of them you know living up to everything that that people want them to be. And, I, and the good thing is, I love the tight end position. I love the tight end position in college football. Certainly, we've seen how the tight end position has impacted uh, the NFL. Miami's been a very good tight end 
school over the years. And so now they've got two more guys who are legitimate talents um, who should be able to help this offense. To what level they do, I don't know. I'm always wary of, of putting that kind of, I mean, who cares what kind of pressure I put on there, but, but you know, who am I? But, you know, I'm always wary of, of, of putting that kind of uh, focus on freshmen because they're still freshmen and the game's still new and, um, and there's still so much to learn. And to me, the game is so much more nuanced than anyone ever gives it credit for. But I think when you're looking at skill positions, the freshmen have the greatest chance to succeed. And these guys have gotten a lot of reps in the fall. And I just think there's going to be times in certain games where you're going to be talking about one or both. And I, and I think it's a great asset for Miami to have. And this is where the recruiting element of what we were talking about earlier, where it's about replenishing positions for key contributors. And I think Chris Herndon might have been the most underrated Miami Hurricane last year. I think particularly towards the end of the season, and then obviously you saw in the ACC championship game how big not having him was. But in terms of as a target, I don't think that there was a player who was more reliable on major downs on third and fourth down. Where you're, if you're saying we need a completion, we need to get seven yards, who do you go to on the team with? Amon Richards not having a healthy season. I think Chris Herndon was far and away. Not, I mean, Daryl Langham having, ended up having two of the biggest catches of the season, but uh, I think Chris Herndon was far and away the reliable target in those situations. And so it is going to be on the recruiting, and they did a brilliant job by the star system in getting Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory, you know, two of the top three tight ends in the country, to come to Miami but again it's converting on those players in that promise and Michael Irvin the second gives them the opportunity to do it from opening day so this is another area where the Hurricanes you can say they have a question what do they have at tight end but they can very quickly solve it and make it a strength of the team so reliability I think I is don't think be- honestly Chris I don't think it's that big of a question I mean and I know again that goes again against how I look at trying to position freshmen. So I'm not saying they're going to be like APL Americans this year, but like, I don't think it's that much of a question. Like, I think these guys, uh, I think these guys, they're going to be playing from day one. And I think hurricane fans are going to be happy with them. I really do. Now, maybe something from a freshman standpoint comes up, you know, again, predictively, you never know, but I think, I don't think it's as big of a question as, as maybe some might think it is. Uh, I think these guys are pretty damn good. All right. Well, you gave us one more offensive guy here as your key guys, for the season. And this was a guy who uh, we talk about, you know, you talk about the, the plays that uh, the Langham made um, the plays that, that Herndon's made for them. Um, but Jeff Thomas made a ton of big plays for this team last season. And he gives them that element that the great Canes teams have always had, which is the guy who could basically just flat out beat a corner and change the, change the, you know, the field position, change the entire complexion of the game. How will they use Jeff Thomas? Will it be any different than they used him last season? I think, you're exactly right, Ethan. I mean, I think he, the reason why he's on the list for me is he's not a freshman now. So this again now, you know how I was just talking about the freshman, you know, before in the tight end, and I don't like to to, to really, uh, I don't like to rely on them. I guess to have that kind of impact, although with those tight ends, I think it might be a special case. But the Thomas is now year two. He got to play year one. He's been in the weight room. He's been in the he's been in the film room. He's been under Ron Dugan's guidance. And so his, you know, it's hard to play fast sometimes when, when you're young because you don't always know where you're going or what you're doing. But, you know, once you are, are comfortable in scheme, comfortable in role, comfortable in you've been taught, you've been developed. I mean, you know, I talked to Jeff Thomas at the little media get together and it's, you know, he's still, still learning, you know, one of the big focuses of the offseason was still catching with his hand because he was a body catcher in high school. I mean, just things that people don't think about. So, all of those, you know, his footwork, his, his, his ability to get off the line of scrimmage, his strength. I mean, he came in, he was, 
know, he hadn't really touched weights when he was in high school. So to me, all those things are now behind him, so to speak. And now that should allow his speed to flourish. And he's like an elite level athlete. You know, he's a game breaker. And, and, and I had guys last year. So there, there, there are um, two guys that were on the staff last year. One guy is still on the staff. They were in like the behind the scenes QC, GA type guys. One was a high school coach down here at Southridge. The other played high school football here. I think he played at Northwestern. I remember we were talking to them earlier in the season, and they were talking about guys, and they were talking about Jeff Thomas like being ridiculously fast. And the only reason why I bring it up is like when you have two guys from South Florida who either played down here or coach down here talking about a guy from St. Louis who is ridiculously fast, that means that guy is ridiculously fast. And they have seen as much speed as anybody come through this area because this area produces those kind of athletes. So the reason why he's on the list is because I think he can flourish and let his athleticism flourish because I think he's a more refined wide receiver. And also Braxton Berrios is gone, right? You add him to Amon Richards. Uh, you add him to the other uh, receivers who are on this team who I think can contribute. And I think that, and you add those tight ends and you add the running game, the matchups I think can favor him. And he's got the elite level speed to be a, a big play guy. And I think we're going to see more of that this year. I think it should take it up even another notch. So that should maybe make it easier for Malik Rogier. Uh, like I said, I'm, a, I'm more of a big play guy because, you know, 80 yards, one play is easier than 10 yards, 80, uh, 80 yards and 10 plays. And I think Jeff Thomas gives him that kind of ability. And I'm glad you mentioned Braxton Barrows before I get a barrage of tweets about reliable receivers because I genuinely forgot Braxton Barrios for a second because he was no doubt as reliable, if not more reliable, than Chris Herndon. But we'll, we'll, we'll carry on. But I think we talked about earlier Malik Rozier's accuracy issues, but the one thing that that offense did very well was generate big plays, whether on the ground or through the air. When they needed to summon something, it seemed like more often than not they did. And if Malik Rozier is not going to improve in the area of completion percentage and engineering drives, well, they're going to need to generate a lot of big plays again. And while it can be hard to do it on a consistent basis, having the fastest guy on the field is one way to go and do it. And I think it's going to be on both Thomas and Mike Carley to get that job done as big playmakers because I do think that there will still be a major element of this Canes offense. I don't think you're ever going to get Malik Rozier to be ba Baker Mayfield and complete more than 70% no. of his passes over two years. Uh, no. you're, you're going to need to generate no. big plays, and those guys are going to be the ones that have to do it. But now, going back to something you said, which is very astute, is take Jeff Thomas, and we always think of big plays, you know, 70 yards over the top. But in college football, we also know the way, the way modern-day college football offenses are. You know, bubbles, quick screens, and then he you know, breaks one tackle and takes it to the house. Well, accuracy, catchable balls, you know, which you, you alluded to, John Ricks alluded to, get the ball in Jeff Thomas's hands. And that's also why I put DJ Dallas on the list. But get the ball in Jeff Thomas's hands, let him go make plays, let him use his speed. So whichever way it happens, I just think he is now in, he's in a better position because he's in year two and he's not a freshman anymore. He's in a better position to use his speed this year because of everything he went through last year. And I think whether offense, whether Malik's completing 5% of his passes or it's just like last year, that what he brings to this offense, to me, is, is an element I'm in love with because I – you know, I just like I like players who simplify the game, and he's got the attribute that allows that to happen. Hey, this is Gary and Thorne, host of Fantasy on Five on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Draft season is growing ever closer on the fantasy football calendar, and we are preparing you twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, for those big drafts. If you weren't listening to the show this week, here's what you missed. 
Jackson is is a complete bust. He's a fade. I wouldn't even think about him. He's one of those guys that I would only play in DFS and maybe take a flyer in a standard league if he continued to drop down the board come draft day. I want the upside and the young, fresh, talented Godwin who's got some hands. Again, check out Fantasy on 5 with myself and David Ganos every Tuesday and Thursday on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. All right, so we talk about the key returning guys this season, and you mixed a couple of of freshman guys in there also. But let's go through five other freshmen. We're going to do these right off the top gonna, here. We're going we're gonna to do six because I, I left one out. So we're going to go six. <laughs> we can make it as quick as you want. This so is five reasons. It's the six reasons sports right. network. I apologize. Right. Well, well, maybe we'll make it six rings. And actually, when you made that announcement of the name, the five rings canes, uh, there were people who were upset because they said you were not being optimistic enough um, about what might happen. <laughs> And so, all right. So no, we'll well, here's the thing. I, I told, um, you know, I've, I've taped some, some, some of the coaches that are on the team before the camp. And I said, look, welcome to the five rings podcast, but by all means, I have no problems changing it to the six rings podcast. So I'm fine with that. There's no problems there. All right. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll go with six here. So give us six freshmen, six freshmen who you yep. think can make an impact this season and for the long-term health of the program, are going to be critical. So uh, the six names I gave you in part because I think some of them are going to have a role this year. And it was probably more so the six freshmen I thought that could have an impact this year and then obviously, you know, moving forward. So in, in no particular order, uh, it's not one through six because one, like one's the most important. It's just how I wrote it down on my notepad. One is Bubba Baxa, the kicker, because Michael Badgley's gone. They don't have another kicker. So we've seen um, in years past that, you know, missed kicks have been – uh, have hurt Miami in certain games, and now you're relying on a freshman. Now, this guy's all-world. He comes in with the, all, all the hype, but he still has to kick in front of, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 people, and he might have to have make a pressure kick, and that hasn't happened yet. So, um, you know, Bubba Baxa is, to me, a critical element just because he has to, he just has to be able to execute. He's one. Two other guys that, that are critical to me because I think they provide depth at a position that wasn't as deep a year ago, and because of an injury to Malik Young, and he's not on the team anymore, our two freshman cornerbacks, Al Blades, who's the son of, of Al Blades, who played here about 20 years ago, and DJ Ivy, a cornerback uh, from South Dade here in Dade County. Two, two South Florida kids. So you look at, this, at the starting lineup, likely it'll be Michael Jackson and probably Trajan Bandy. And then Javante Dean, who's the Juco kid who also went to South Dade, who last year I think was probably a little bit lost and was too overwhelming making the transition. I think he's probably taken a step forward. But you have two freshmen in Al Blades and DJ Ivy who has not, camp has not been too big for them. Al Blades has a Hurricanes personality. He's effervescent. He's effusive. He is outgoing. He is confident. And uh, these two guys also bring uh, the, the size that you would want out of that position as this team through recruiting is starting to look like a, a team that needs to compete for a championship. So these two guys, I think, can play. They don't have to start, but they provide enough depth that if needed, um, it is there, and there's not uh, there's gonna need, doesn't need to be a worry at that position. You can now play five, six deep at that position, so that gives me great comfort. Uh, I picked out one of these receivers, but it could maybe be any any of the three or four freshmen. But this guy had a great spring, the spring game. He caught two touchdowns. Is Brian Hightower? Uh, we talked about Jeff Thomas. Chris mentioned Mike Harley. We know about Amon Richards. You know, I would hope Lawrence Cager um, should be a a, a Consistent contributor with a six-five frame. Langham needs to be more consistent, but he made the two big plays. But now you're looking at a position at the receiver room that goes 12 deep. And Brian Hightower is a guy who, who fits the mold. He's big. He's physical. He made plays in the spring. So I just a guy, another guy who, if needed, is there 
for the Hurricane offense. And then the last two would be uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, make the, the guy who is has coined the, the hashtag, uh, which took over signing day last year, which is make the crib great. Uh, he's a defensive tackle from American Heritage. Heritage. He is nasty. Um, he is physical. He is quick. Um, and again, Chris referenced the defensive tackle position. It's a little light in numbers. So this is a guy who we might see have to make uh, plays and contribute, uh, which again, I don't like having to do with freshmen, but that might be a place where he might be called into action. And then that was at five, but then there was one more. Uh, this is a guy who has, he showed up in the spring. He showed up in the fall. And I think he's going to contribute, even if it's in spot duty is a, is a defensive end who stands six, seven named Greg Rousseau out of Champagnac Catholic over in Hialeah. Uh, his frame is filled out. Yeah, he is, he is, he has flashed already. And again, uh, Joe Jackson, John Garvin are, are locking down the top two spots. Scott Patchen, I think, is finally going to be a guy that's going to be in the rotation. Um, and I'm probably missing somebody. But I do think Greg Rousseau is a guy who I think Canes fans are going to get to know his name pretty quickly, even if it's in a sort of defined role. But he brings such a unique skill set with the size and quickness coming off the edge. Um, and he has filled out and I think will be a guy that, that can contribute to this defense. And again, provides more depth. And Chris said it earlier. I talked about it today. I had this engagement. One of the greatest things you can have on a team, not only because of the competition it breeds, because of the le- but also because of the leverage it provides a coaching staff is it is hard pressed to keep your finger and a pulse on a team when you do not have depth because without depth, you're sort of handcuffed as a coach with depth. The competition that practices better, some guy isn't performing, get your butt on the bench, and the next guy plays. I do want to mention uh, the uh, the defensive lineman that you bring up, Rousseau, uh, ended up actually on Kirk Herbstreet's list for breakout freshmen in the entire country. He listed five, and Rousseau was one of his candidates, which surprised me given that I'm, I'm not terribly you know big into recruiting and that's something that you'll cover on the podcast but uh I, I i kind of you know remember the big names whether they be jordan or mallory at tight end or whether they be lorenzo lingard who topped the recruiting class and it kind of surprised me to see sort of various reporting have lingard on the outside looking in on minutes i i, I would expect that at some point in the season we'll see lorenzo lingard just because he's such a promising player and because with the new rules about redshirting you could still theoretically redshirt him and play him in a few games and if he impresses in those games, then you use him more. But uh, I, I do expect to see Lorenzo Lingard at some point this season. But I, I, I agree with all of your candidates. For me, the biggest one where straight, straight away they're going to be asked to do work is on defensive line and at tight end. And I think those are the biggest areas for freshmen this year. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, don't overlook the kicker. And I'm not saying that mm-hmm. strike That's true. everyone. That's I'm true. just saying freshman kicker. And, and, I'm just and, saying and, freshman right. kicker. You ne- you're never going to know uh, and, and he's the guy. So it, it, it's funny when I made the list, I was like, man, freshman, like mm-hmm. that- even with Badgley and I love Michael Badgley for so many different reasons, but there were a couple of times where, you know, he failed the team. And, and so, and, and he was a senior and he played, you know, three or four years in a row. He was experienced. You're asking a freshman kicker at some point this season, he's going to have to go out and make a kick. And I, and I'm not, and he might make it. He may not. It's just, you're sticking a freshman kicker out there. So, 
you know, he's just on my list. But I feel like it's going to come up at some point. No, I, I'm, I'm, t- I'm totally with you. We saw the effects of freshman punter last year. I, I don't think Zach Fiegel's had a good year whatsoever. And I, you, it, it can certainly happen that you have a disaster at kicker and you can't trust and you're going for it on fourth down more and you don't feel confident when you have to send your, your, your kicking team out there. And that can be debilitating to any football team, but especially in college football where hashtag college kickers is a thing. All right, now that we've gone through all this, uh, I want to get to your pod here a little bit to introduce it to people who have not heard it. So Five Rings Canes has been out now. I guess it's about five or six weeks that you've been doing this. Again, two episodes uh, with Manny Diaz. You started it with Coach Banda. I know you've taped some other episodes. I don't know if you want to clue people in to any of them that will be coming out mm, soon. Uh, I think I'm still going to play, play Mystery Man still for a little <laughs> bit because I don't know how I, I don't know what my strategic path is going to be yet. But I think. You know, I'll just say this, and, and I don't really, this is not who I am. Um, I don't really ever talk this way. Well, I, I, I'll put it this way. I did an hour with Coach Bonda, um, and he was really, I said this during the podcast, I mean, his whole path to becoming a, a coach at Miami was sort of my impetus for what I wanted this podcast to be shaped like, which was almost everything but, you know, sort of to 2018 games. But I did 90 minutes with Manny Diaz, and I did an hour with Coach Bonda, two current coaches on the staff, and that's two and a half hours of, of content. And we talked for, you know, zero minutes basically about the 2018 Canes. So it, it was more about who they are, where they've come from, their whole journey to getting here, whatever interesting crossroads they've come across. And it's not that we're not going to talk about the 2018 Canes and I'm not against doing it, but you know, if you look at the media landscape, that will happen enough. I just wanted to take a different path on doing this. There were so many great players that have graced this program. And I think that there's so many great stories to tell. There've been so many great people that have, that have been blessed to come through here and come through the university. There are great people who are there now. Uh, and I'm just always interested in the story. I'm interested in the path, and the journey and the why and the how. And so that is what I'm trying to get into. Um, and that's what I hope to accomplish. And I happen to get lucky and start off with two guys that fit the bill and had great stories to tell and did a great job of delivering those. But that's really what my goal is. And there are so many great people uh, and so many great names. There's names we know. There's some names we don't. I don't say we don't know, but they're not always the Hall of Famers and the NFL guys and all the All Pros and you know and all those guys that that you know I want to try and talk to. And then there's going to be guys on this team that I want to do that with too. And there's broadcasters that cover our team that we you know in my role as a sideline reporter. That now that Miami is sort of back on the national stage that I'll cross paths with and, and, and we'll do that. And, and so that's what I want this podcast to be about because I feel like the other stuff can be had in other places. But, you know, Josie and Don Bailey Jr., they're going to be on the podcast next week because those guys know as much as anybody and it's a big game and it's an issue in the start, the start of the season. So, you know, we'll get those guys on. It's not going to be a weekly thing. That's not going to be sort of the, the backdrop for the podcast. And you will get into recruiting and other things like that. The way we're kind of framing this, I know you framed it as past, present, future. So you'll cover a little bit of everything. Alonzo Highsmith, uh, great episode this week. That one's out right now. Now, you will not be at the watch party that I mentioned here earlier on the pod that we're having at Uncle Al's Cafe in Weston. But clearly, we want to get you as many. You can FaceTime. If you want to FaceTime, me, I'll sort of <laughs> virtually appear if you want. You know, that's fine. You'll, you'll be at Dallas. You'll be at Dallas, as will Tito, who I know uh, uh, helps produce uh, your pod, but as, we'll, we'll as will you. I, by the way. 
Actually, all three of you guys will be out there, right? We'll FaceTime with all of you to the party, but we want to get as many Canes fans out there as possible. It's going to be September 2nd. Uh, get there around 7 o'clock. This is the new Uncle Al's Sports Cafe in Sunrise. There is a location in Weston that's been there for about 20 years, but this is a new location. Uh, it's on it's on Sunset Strip near Knob Hill. We'll be posting a lot about that on Five Reasons Sports. Also, Five Rings Canes, so it'll be a watch party with drink and food specials, and obviously we will have the game on. They've got about 25 TVs there, and they'll all be blasting. So come to, come hang out with our hosts, and, and we'll FaceTime with the Five Rings Canes hosts. Anyway, check out Five Rings Canes. Uh, make sure that you rate, you subscribe, you review, you do all that stuff because we've got big plans for it through the season and after that. Josh, th- thanks for joining us. Hopefully we can do this again with you during the season. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I mean, we're all we're all in this together. So whenever you want, I'll be happy to do it. Um, I, I found my cocoon in the building where I can go and talk and project and not wake my kids up. So we're good. <laughs> all right, thank you, Josh. And we will be back with you, you next it. week. We got uh, got a couple of episodes planned. We're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of heat next week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drag Chris back into that, but obviously we're gonna be heavy uh, dolphins and canes here as the season progresses. And one thing that Chris and I are gonna do um, every Monday during the football season. We're going to give you a Dolphins-Canes recap episode. So whatever happened uh, that weekend with the two major football teams in town, we are going to be handling it, and we will talk to you soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.